Well, because I think that in living in the States, you're living in one of the most brutal societies mm -hmm. in the history of the world, mm -hmm. you know? The country who inherited the uh, genocide of the Native American peoples, mm -hmm. uh, a country which participated in chattel slavery, mm -hmm. you know? the only country in the world to use and drop an atomic bomb on another country, society. Uh... Hello, and welcome to Different Times Podcast. Hi, I'm Danny Different. And here to my right, your left, is Paul Podcast. How you doing, bro? Doing really good, Danny Different. Danny, Danny Different. You're Danny Different. I was trying to avoid that this week. Uh, do you know what? I walk through Asda and people just sing it at me. <laughs> I'm drinking an Aldi's uh, wheat beer today, so I'm a bit worried about what's going to go on here. It could get gnarly, could get pretty ugly, fast. Well... I was planning on going out and getting ugly and gnarly fast tonight. I was going to go and see my friend Jake's band Famine that we've spoken about before in Canterbury. It's like right around the corner from my house. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was going to do the podcast here, drive straight there, get drunk, leave my car in Canterbury, go back and get it in the morning. It's a long walk home. Fucking get a taxi. That's correct. You look down the road. The fact that I have turned up in jogging bottoms, a green Sulu from Star Trek t-shirt that fits badly to say the least and a bright red hoodie suggests that i might not be going out that is a good star trek t-shirt how that didn't uh, catch my eye it's like in 3d but you don't need 3d glasses for it i noticed when i was chatting to your wife before you before you came up she was wearing that star trek t-shirt the voyager one from my house like 15 years ago yeah and yeah. it was already 15 years old then well it fit me when i was a small but now i'm an xl don't fit me so uh she's inherited it and it's got holes in it that have just appeared over the years i love that that's good isn't it that's so that t-shirt's had at least four owners <laughs> and we will never retire it no it's a good shirt good shirt anyway what do you want to talk about first oh do you know uh, we normally go into an album of the week first but i haven't got an album of the week Shh, why what, what? <laughs> I've got a single of the week. Okay. Uh, Napalm Death. Now, this I listened to this uh, on the toilet at work today. Of course. Because you spouted off a couple of weeks ago saying, oh, Napalm Death won't put it on YouTube and Facebook and I ain't fucking buying a seven inch. Yeah. They obviously heard. Yeah. And they've now put it out on iTunes. Yeah. That was a really good impression of me, by the way. That's how <laughs> you books. sound in my head. Um, how good is it? I really love it. And I didn't realise until it got to the second song, like, hang on, this is weird. What is this? I know this. Yeah. And it is White Cross by Sonic Youth. Because I originally thought, oh, the first song, this doesn't sound anything like Napalm Death. Yeah. And yeah. then when it got to the second song, that Sonic Youth song sort of made it make sense. Um, obviously, I'm not as big a fan as you are. Did you listen to the last album that came out in 2015? Listened to it, bought it, um, t played it to death to the point where when I sold it, when I sold everything that I own, I had to get it, buy it back off the guy uh, because it was so scratched up and <laughs> oh, overplayed. Really? Yeah. 
So does that is that like this? Because I'm only sort of like when I think of Napalm Death, I only think of the older grindy sort of stuff. They've always got the in the last few albums at least there is the standard Napalm Death what you would think, but also they've been like putting more of this uh, the sort of alt eighties influences, Bauhaus, um, Killing Joke, and definitely now you can hear it all over the place. Sonic Youth, yeah, and. Um, I'm so looking forward to it. If they've done this for a whole album, then they have nipped it in the bud with Converge, who are also planning on doing their sort of experimental weird album next. So this is just Napalm Death. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah. I know the guy that produced it pretty well. So I'm, I'm going to hit him up to see if I can get any juicy pre-facts. Um, <laughs> and I might, if we, we dare, might interview him about it. That'd be cool. Because that might be a, like, a little exclusive before it comes out. I'm sure he's not allowed to give too much away, but I'm sure Napalm Death fans want to know more. Yeah, so you loved it, right? Yeah. I'm so excited. The title track was called Logic Ravaged by Brute Force. I, again, I wrote in my little notes here, I, I said it sounds a bit like Killing Joke Swans, and there's little bits in places, I think, if Fugazi were a metal band. Absolutely. That's where, where it's going. It's fucking weird. This is Napalm Death. It's weird. Uh, it's beautiful. But it still sounds like Napalm Death at the core. Yeah. And that's where so many bands do go wrong when like, they do something like this. Like Green Day. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Well done, Napalm Death. Album of the week you for your single. Brilliant. Green Day. Dan, kick it off. Father of all. Yes. Father of all. Kissy cuddles. Um, I did not like this. If you had put it on and and we were in like a hotel getting ready to go out on stage and you said, Dan, listen to this, I would never have guessed it was Green Day. His voice sounds so different. It does. Even when I watch the video to the, the single and you can see the words coming out of his mouth, fair enough, he's miming or whatever, but I still can't put it to him. It's like he's miming to another band's song. Yeah, and it, it's not a very good band that he's miming to. I <laughs> truly believe that if this wasn't Green Day and it was just some band that has just started, these riffs are too basic to to get anywhere. I mean, you... Right, I watched the video, as I say, so I'd listened to this a fair few times. Didn't get it at all, but didn't even understand what, what they were trying to achieve. Like, I was so... Like, it's been since Nimrod that I've enjoyed a Green Day or, Green Day album, and that's a long time Nimrod, right? Uh, but obviously the whole world loved American Idiot, um, maybe except me and you. <laughs> but, but I can things I can still listen to American Idiot and appreciate it as Green Day. That's true. This drumming, as you say, on this video is nothing like that band. It's so one track the whole way through and it's a horrible track that it's on so after I saw it on the video and saw what his hands were doing what his feet were doing and what face he was pulling like his face is like I hate my whole life uh, what have I done to my face Trey Cool just looks like he's he's having the worst time of his life every time he smiles it's so fake like I feel like there's this inner turmoil in him that is chewing him up it's not, not not enjoying it. It's not. It's just his job. Well, you, yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe. But the, why would you put this out? Why would you put your name to it? 
so then you go back after watching the video, after having a real key to like, oh, this is where the band is at visually now, and you put that to these songs, and it makes it worse. Hmm. Makes it worse. I mean, fair play. And every artist, every band has the option to mix up what they're doing because they're getting bored and try something different. But I think in this case, it just hasn't worked. And I was watching, looking through Facebook like you do, Mm. and there was a video that came up of Green Day on the Ellen Show making pizzas with Snoop Dogg. What's this? Yeah. What, on this album run? Yeah. Wow. Uh, With Snoop Dogg. And is it Martha White, the woman who went, the TV chef who went to jail? I have no idea. Let's have a little interview while they're making pizzas. Uh, now that, <laughs> I would enjoy. Especially with Snoop Dogg there making all sorts of like dopey jokes around them. What uh, what pizzas did they make? Pepperoni. And what about Snoop? Was it, was it all one pizza? They were, it was a joint? No, they all made their own and then Snoop Dogg made sausage rolls. <laughs> that sounds like a programme. Oh man, I must be friends with the wrong people. I did not get that on my It was feed. on Kerrang's. Was it? Fucking Kerrang. Always get the, the good stories first. Damn them. Uh, right, there's this song, Graffiti, right? And I swear to you, uh, it's meant to sound like it's a New Wave song, but like if New Wave happened sort of earlier on in the 70s. But it nicks this chord and it was bugging me. So I turned it off and I, a chord progression, sorry. Uh, I turned it off and then all of a sudden, boom, it was UB40's Cherry O, Cherry O, baby. And, and I was like, hang on, that's even older than that. And I looked it up and yeah, it's like this old reggae song by Eric Donaldson. Now, it was a blatant lift as well. And everybody that's reviewed this, because since I've been listening to it, I'm actually fascinated with it in a, a real weird way. Like, none of the reviews have been good except Enemy and Kerrang! that I've seen, giving it four out of five, both of them. And they're, they're every single, including those reviews, say that they're ripping someone else off another song's ripping someone else off it's like there's no originality there was even a review on that's not metal where one of the guys mentioned it's not only ripping off an old green day song so they're ripping themselves off but they already ripped that off once before on one of their really early albums so like i don't know what they're doing they're sort of recycling everything there's so many hand claps it makes me feel sort of like i'm at a kid's party in places but this is my one thing from it. So one song lifts from Gary Glitter. It got got that oh yeah, oh yeah line in it. And I, I think that they think they're being edgy by doing that. I, I, I can only imagine that's the only reason it's there. Um, because the obviously the Joker did it like a year ago and it like got all that press and now and now they're doing it. And I, maybe they're trying to be edgy, but I take the glitter band over this any day. This is a piece of shit. And in fact, I take Gary Glitter up my shitter <laughs> rather than that. Uh, I, I, I find it disgusting. I don't think you're his type. I well, maybe not. I find this whole thing. I loathe it. See what I did? I do. <laughs> That's why I'm a professional, buddy. I'm a professional. Loathe. Also, put an album out. It's called I Let It In and It Took Everything. Now, Daniel, I wonder if you got a chance to hear it because it was only today I mentioned I was going to talk a bit about this. I did, and I really like it. It's called I Let It In and It Took Everything on Sharp Tone Records. And they're from Liverpool. They are, and they sound it too. 
since 2014 they've been going. Uh, my initial thought was, whoa, they're ripping off every fucking new metal band. It starts off a bit like corn and then goes into like a Slipknot bit, and then you've got a Linkin Park bit, and then when the album settles down, it's just the Deftones. Yeah. The first single, I thought it was the Deftones. I thought I pressed the Deftones by mistake. And when looking, it was like, no, okay, this is Loathe. And looked it up a bit, and yeah, everyone was saying, oh, Deftones, Deftones, Deftones. That being said, they do it really, really well. It's an incredible album. I am, I'm going to agree with you here. It's yeah. really good. I think on a, on a wider thing, it would be easy to just slam it in with metalcore and leave it there. But it's bigger than that. Uh, the, the chilled out bits, like where he's doing his chinos, they're really good. And, and different enough, I think, after lots of listens. Yeah. When, when the shock of like, oh, fuck off. How dare you? When that's gone... <laughs> Like, I, and when I chilled out a bit and thought, Paul, check yourself, you silly man. I was just like, do you know what? If this is was the death times, I'd be fucking loving this. Yeah, the so, heavy bits are fucking abrasive. Um, yeah, the, the, I, I've noticed a little bit of, like, black metalness every now and again creeping in. Not often, but, like, they're very eclectic. Loads of stuff going on. I find it, that, and I've got an issue, so I find it a bit messy. Like, it's not very cohesive. It's not all together. Yeah, it's got, it brings off a vibe of, uh, who was that band that everyone loved for a little while, then they got back together, we saw them support Cave In, Jason Fry loved them. The Locust? No. When did The Locust support Cave In? They were massive, but they're from England, they had dreadlocks. Lost Profits? That sort of thing, getting closer. Well, this is a non-pedo band. All right. Uh, uh, was it was it Benji, Skindred? No, they had a song that was all just swear words. I don't know. And they bent over, like, <laughs> when they were playing. Like, Earth Tone 9? No! Oh, they bent over. <laughs> and did, like, play guitar, like, bending over, like, Head and Monkey from Corn. No, I don't know. Oh, motherfucker, this is going to break my brain. All right, when you edit it, if you have remembered it, just shout the word in here. The band I was thinking of was Sixth. Now, if you didn't remember but it, there's just a blank is, space. Yeah, they're kind of <laughs> frantic. I don't think it's messy, I think it's frantic. Yeah, well, I don't know. I can't listen to it all in one go because it is so all over the place. But I've now got it linked in with my albums that have come out this year. And when a song comes up, because it's out of context... I really like it. I love the heavy ones. I love the, the more deftonesy, like ethereal, ethereal, whatever you want to call it ones. So I like them, but I just think Code Orange have got their shit more together. Although I prefer Loathe to Cold, Cold, uh, Code Orange. I do prefer Loathe, but Carbomb also have their shit more together. And it's similar-ish. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I, I much prefer what Car Carbomb have done just because it's so succinct. It's so together. But I'm well shocked, man. Loathe have been getting reviews where a lot of the review is just talking about the live show being there's a lot of shit done on tapes. And I, and this is one of the bands where I'm like, I wouldn't give a shit. As long as they're pulling stuff off live and I can get into the feel of it. You know how, and we bring it up quite a lot when we watched Gary Newman at Sonosphere. Yeah. And we were so close, we could see his miming was all off and things like that. 
when that happens, fuck it. But when there's when they're just using the backing tracks to complement what's going on, absolutely fine with it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be listening to this a lot more. And Dan, we're only in Feb, right? February. Do you think so far anything has come out that you would consider maybe being your album of the year? Not maybe my album of the year, but certainly in my top ten. And it's one that we're going to segue into nicely now. Hello. Fucking Sepultura's new album. <laughs> oh, jeez Louise. We initially had it given to us by our friend Howard. Howard. H. And I like get for it a bit and was like, oh man, this dude don't know what he's talking about. He's too fucking old. This is shit. Bloody H. And now I can't get enough of it. Is that because it's really good? It is really good. Okay. As far as like Sepultura, Max Cavalera, Soulfly, Cavalera, Conspiracy, all that stuff goes, the only ones I really, really, really love, Chaos AD mm-hmm. and Roots. And I think this, and I'll come back to it at the end of the year, but I think this sits comfortably with Roots just below Chaos AD. So good. It's got that Chaos AD sort of crunchy vibe to it. And Bloody hell. Do you not reckon? They're big words. They are big words. I think it's my favourite one with Derek singing. 100%. So he sounds fucking magnificent on this. Because I think it's far enough removed from Sepultura that I love. But I love the Beneath the Remains Sepultura. So I'm much more into that. Like they're leaving thrashy death. And they're starting to experiment after, after that. That's what I love. So it's so far removed from that. Especially towards the end when they start to go proggy, that yeah, that I can separate it now. There's a few of the proggy bits that personally I would pull out, but I'm not in Sepultura. Well, it's 51 minutes, man. You with a, I always say with like an album that goes over 40 minutes, you've got to do, do one of two things: either one bin it because it's too long and they've added filler in, or if you can accept that, just chop off the filler yourself in your head. And then concentrate on those songs that you love. So if you're finding some, like at 51 minutes, if you're finding like the last three tracks or whatever, a bit like, come on. No, not at all. No, it's just the parts. Yeah, I could start with the last three tracks. They're all good. Fucking hell, I could listen to this on random. I'm impressed. I'm impressed, man, that you love it so much. This is definitely the best thing Rob Green has done since he left West Ham and joined Sepultura. That is good to know. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I guess that's something that West Ham fans might know. And Rob Green haters. God, what's he talking about? I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, if you're a metal, just fucking go and buy it and you'll enjoy it, I promise. Do you know how many albums they've done? It's like 15, isn't it? 15 freaking albums. This is the second album of theirs that I've noticed that had that experiment uh, experimentation, should I say, on it. Uh, and the last one was the one that came out last last time, I think 16 or 17, something like that. Um, yeah, but I listened oh, to that. Yeah, but we didn't like it, did I we? I wanted to laugh at it. We did not dig it. This album just looks down at that album and goes, I didn't make that. They've earned the name Sepultura. <laughs> That's true. That You can take that to the bank. Oh, man. Max's missus is going to be fuming at you. Whatever. What, what can she do? She can do one. My next band, and my favourite thing of the week... What? Alongside this. Alongside Green Day, yep. 
alongside Sepultura. Uh, VX, PX, OX, AX, AX, WX, AX, MXC. I hate you. Why? Oh, is that not what it's called? No. Uh, Austrian Dukes of Derangement EP by VX, PX, OX, AX, AX, WX, AX, MXC, which stands for... Oh, no. Vaginal Penetration of an Amulus with a Musty Carrot. <laughs> when you sent this to me, Daniel, I just... I, I didn't even have to click it to know what was going on, especially when the, the only pr- proviso that you gave me was, I don't know how he makes that sound with his voice. Well, it comes under the sort of slam def slash gore grind category, but I don't see a lot of slam in it, to be honest. It's got a fucking good groove for this sort of thing. If you're not in tuned with grindcore, then it might, it might be a bit over your head, but it's got a real cool groovy swagger to it. So you start off with your traditional grindcore with very, very, very low guttural voices. Like, like I couldn't even dream of yeah, doing it. Yeah. In fact, I watched an instructional video on how to do it once. <laughs> uh, and it, it's strange. But yeah, then there's this other voice that you mentioned that they call duck squeals instead of pig squeals. And it sounds like, you know when you get abducted by an alien? Yeah, oh and yeah, yeah. They yeah. normally communicate with you psychically. Yeah, uh, and then you attack the alien, you take over it, and you're beating the shit out, and you're trying to kill it. Got it. Yeah. And then yeah. it starts talking with its like vestigial mouth because it's evolved. You know, it's, it's still got a mouth, yeah. and it's like click 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 click, and trying to talk to you like that. Mm-hmm. That's what this voice sounds like. I'm gonna have to play a bit because it's just deranged. you've heard that and you've heard that vocal to me because i'm re-watching lost it sounds like the episode where sawyer and hurley go and hunt down a tree frog right and this tree frog is making that noise and it gets into uh, sawyer's head and he he ends up squishing it because he can't stand that noise um I can't stand this, Dan, because of that noise. I love it because of it. It's it sounds so... like, you know when Arnie's about to smash the predator's head in? <laughs> it sounds like that, the noise the predator makes. But it's so loud. The vocals, like, the the gruff, the, the bowel-inducing gruff vocals, they are well-mixed placement. Those uh, tree frog vocals, those dying alien vocals, they're so loud in the mix. It's It's got to be comedy. Is it's not? Is it comedy? No, it's brilliant. Oh my word! 
Um, well, obviously, you guys are going to be uh, the deciders, and you girls, you're with me, right? You know that these guys are twazzocks. I'm not having this. This cannot be your joint album of the week with Sepultura. Yep. My word. One other thing. Did you see Rage Against the Machine are playing at Reading? I did. That's mad. Reading's like a young person's thing. Yep. And admittedly, I think of Rage Against the Machine as a young person's band. But then there was a little quote somewhere that put it in perspective. You and I went to Reading 95, 96, 97, all that sort of time. Yep. It would be like if The Who or Eric Clapton or Led Zeppelin headlined. You'd be like... Fine, you know, my dad likes that, but I don't want him at Reading Festival. Slightly different because Paige and Plant did headline one of them Reddings. And you didn't like it. We did, oh, I fucking hated it. Well, there you go. But so they're all going to fucking hate Reading I knew who it was. A lot of these young'uns, according to Twitter, whether it's like um, made up or not, don't even know what Rage Against the Machine are. They've been out of the picture for quite a long time. Other than when did they get that number one? 2012? Christmas number one. Yeah, but even that to someone that's 17 is going to be like... Eight years ago. Yeah. What are these old fogies doing here? And that's if they were around 2012 or whatever. Hmm. Sorry, 2002, 2000, I don't know. But what these what are year like, are we in? 2020. Oh, so old. But these are like one of the most important bands to our youth. Well, maybe not yours, but certainly mine. Um, yeah, and like if you took apart that Reading lineup, there's enough bands of sort of our ilk of heavy music ilk whether me and you like them or not that you could do a whole day at download for sure I think Rage Against Machine would be better placed at download of course they were but for, for Rage there's going to be two things that gauge what they're doing right and one was I think that the download lineup was already secured and they wanted to go out I said but they can't they're not going to be second fiddle to flipping who is it Who's headlining this year? Kiss. Maiden Kiss and... System of Down. Yeah, they're not going to be second fiddle to any of them bands. And then, um, alternatively, it could be that they just want to... They, they find more resonance. Because I saw them at Reading 96 or 97, and they were amazing. Yeah, well, they find more resonance with Run the Jewels. There you go. They're touring, well, they're touring with Run the Jewels. Yeah. And Run the Jewels are like a couple of bands before them on that poster. Yep. And Sack de la Rocha did a song. Yeah, of course. There you go. So, oh, mate, he's going to come out during that. And That'd he's going to... Anyway, fuck that. The Strokes. Your favourite band, Dan, I know. Yeah, I fucking love The Strokes. There's a new single called At The Gates. Nothing to do with the band uh, Napalm Death. And <laughs> it's a new single. And it's my favourite thing that's come out this year. Single-wise, for sure. Julian Casablanca's voice is... Amazing! It's the best vocal performance I've heard him do for, for, for forever, maybe. I just think it's beautiful. Uh, I really want you guys to hear it. Don't listen to it here. We're not going to put it in. Just go and listen to the strokes at the gates. If you're interested in any way, it's like the thick keyboard slabs and no drums and just this Ugh. voice pushing it. Whoa! Daniel, did you do a sick in your mouth? Yes. What's a strokes song that I would know? Uh, What's like their big the, the single? Big one is like called Last Night. Off their Last Night. <laughs> that's it. She's dead. Yeah. That's oh, like Britpop. <laughs> but they're American. They're from New York. Doesn't make them good. Let's listen to someone else. Let's talk about. Oh, 
Oh, do you know what we haven't done, Daniel? We haven't picked bands out of a hat. We better get a hat. Press pause. So in a moment, we're going to go and talk about the Beatles. Uh, it's the final part of the Beatles. I hope you enjoy it. Daniel, of course, chose that amongst tears. And then as his tears were streaming down his face, he chose another one. That other one was Liz Fair. So we're going to be doing Liz Fair next week. Who's Liz Fair? You'll find out. But because Daniel had such a bad time of it last time, also the time before he had a bad time of it, I said, Daniel, this time we're going to let you choose five bands. I'll choose one band. And then we'll just let you pick two. That way, regardless of what happens, you're getting one. Sounded? What did we do last time? Did we tell everyone what the choices were? We did, but I've just screwed them up and put them in the bag. I think I can remember. So we've got Cave In, Faith No More, Insane Clown Posse, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana, Nirvana, and the Smurfs? The Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're probably going to get the one we can't remember. Put your hand in. Here we go, first choice coming out. <gasps> insane Clown Posse! Mate, Insane Clown Posse. I've got to listen to Insane Clown Posse. There's like 15 albums. <laughs> and it's going to be a 15-parter. Oh, I'm really sorry. There goes our fan base. Let's keep going. And I still only got one. Nirvana. <laughs> there we go. So we are going to do Insane Clown Posse. That. <laughs> I can't wait. And then we're going to do Nirvana. Uh, please enjoy this last one of the Beatles. I hope you've had a really good time listening to the news stuff that we've come out with this week. Uh, let's go. Episode for Sawyer. It's an episode for Sawyer. Yeah. Hello and welcome to part four of the Beatles. I'm so glad we're near the end. We are near the end. That's good. Thank God. And... The closer we get to the end, the more confusing and brilliant the story becomes. This is it. This I didn't realise until maybe ten years ago, and I've been listening to Beatles for a long, long time before that. So reading this, I guess you didn't know about it before doing this podcast, like what was going on here. No, I knew vaguely one had a Yoko and then someone shot him. <laughs> right, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. But that's about it, and that they sometimes went to Germany in the early days. It's such a fascinating, massive story. And it took place in eight years. Mm. Eight years. And yeah, the speeds that all this music came out is incredible. The creative juices of these guys. Even Ringo. <laughs> Even Ringo? Blimey. So this totally confused me. We got the last two albums, Abbey Road and Let It Be, but one was recorded before the other, but released after, and it was recorded under another name. What should we start with, Paul? Well, I think we should start with Abbey Road, as it was released first. It was released on the 26th of September, 1969. Uh, obviously, the title stolen from the Red Hot Chili Peppers EP, which is far superior. Correct. Possibly. And, in fact, I'm going to say definitely the most iconic album cover of all time, and the most imitated like yeah. Every day people go and take a photo. So the fact now that it's actually a grade two listed thing for its cultural what? and historic importance. Yeah, to, since 2010 it's been listed. So you can't like paint it or build on it. Well, I know that right now, if you want to stop this podcast and type in 
Abbey Road Cam, then oh, yeah. put that into Google. It, you'll, you'll just click it and you can see what cars are driving past that and who is waving at the camera and taking their photo taken. In fact, the studio itself was actually named EMI Studios, but they changed the name after this came out to um, Abbey Road Studios. No way. So that was an after. Yeah. Way fact amundo. I didn't know that one. Here's a geek fact for all the music nerds out there. The only LP the Beatles recorded exclusively through a solid-state transistor mixing desk, which actually gives it... You know how this album's got a cleaner, brighter sound than the previous ones? Yes. That's why that happened. Do you prefer the sound of it? It's more accessible to me. It sounds less old and shit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, George Martin comes back this one on the proviso that the bands go back to their old ways and disciplines of recording a song. This is weird because the context of Let It Be, like being recorded before this, let's just say shit hit the fan with Let It Be and things were going wrong and then they thought, let's get to back together. Let's Don't worry about Let It Be. Let's put that in the bin and let's get back together for this one last thing and that's where George Martin goes yeah all right right then okay Um, it was the last time uh, the the song The End sorry was the last time that all four of the Beatles recorded together John Lennon left just before it was released uh, and then I don't know what they were planning to do whether they were going to get another singer in like Phil Anselmo or something he would have done a good job he would have done but then Paul declared the breakup in April Yeah, all down to sort of management issues. Uh, That thing we were talking about last week with the egos as well, like butting heads, the Yoko-isms where she's getting blamed for stuff that really is not her fault. Fucking was. I would say that without George uh, Martin, sorry, without George Martin, this album would not have been completed, would not have been done. One of my favourite things about going back to the album cover, as it... Um, and I've been wanting to bring it up all through the last four episodes, but this is the time when it sort of seems to fit in. And you know how I'm a fan of conspiracy theory? I am. So this is Paul McCartney is dead rumours. Uh, and this front cover was one of the things that sort of people looked at to scrutinise. Oh, yeah, it fuel, fueled it. Yeah, because yeah. he's walking and out of step with the others... And he's holding a cigarette in the wrong hand because he was left-handed and he's holding a cigarette in his right hand. And so what it is, um, he actually died in a car crash in 1966. Sorry, you're saying that like fact. He actually died. He actually died 9th of November 1966 and was replaced by a lookalike. And this fact came apparent in 67. Uh, Yeah, he died in a car crash and was replaced by a chap called William Campbell or Billy Shears. Um, and the rest of the band have been so racked with guilt over the years that they've left little clues in the music and art uh, to sort of try and get the message out there so that people know. But this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is just fact. It's, it's well just known. truth. In 1968, the song Glass Onion, do you know the song? What, what did you say? Glass Onion? Yep. Yep. Lennon sings the line, Here's another clue for you. The walrus was Paul. Right. When you play Revolution Number no. 9 backwards, uh, As we oh, every day, uh, it says, Turn Me On, Dead Man. I'm going to stick that in right here. 
The Reg, and going back to, again to the Abbey Road album cover, yep. uh, the Reg of the Beatle is LMW28IF, and that is Linda McCartney Widow, 28 if, as in if he was still alive, he would be 28. Really? really? So now it's all fucking undeniable. It's like Lost. I've been re-watching Lost, and this is, it's, it's up there with Lost. Is it true, Daniel? Do you think Paul McCartney isn't Paul McCartney? Because of who I am, I have to believe. (laughs) Much like I believe the world is flat. Please tell me you got a song that you want to talk about. No. You didn't get a song. You keep dodging songs. Can I talk about my song and then we continue? Yes. Uh, I got... Oh, darling. Oh, darling. As you can tell, Dan, I'm not Paul McCartney because that didn't sound quite as good. Uh, And also, uh, this is John Lennon's favourite Paul McCartney song. What do you think of that? Don't care. Right, okay. It's got a 50s rock and roll vibe to it. Um, It's not really a grower. I'm really disappointed with Abbey Road when I listen back now. Um, I've got an issue with it. And it's to do with the sound, so I think I can mention this here. Is I just think at this point, uh, with the world, with the lexicon of rock music, the Beatles have been caught up and in places overtaken by other people. I think they're part of it now rather than leaders. And that's my issue with these two albums. It's not that John Lennon had a bed put in the studio so that Yoko could be in there still when she was ill. No, there's nothing to do with Yoko. She's a good lady. Tell me more. Paul McCartney and John Lennon wanted their songs on each side. (laughs) Uh, So they could just have their own bit sort of thing. Uh, Paul, uh, John later called Paul's songs music for grannies to dig, not real songs, and called them as bits of junk just thrown together because this was like a medley, wasn't it? Yeah. But then, fuck, fuck John. I've always thought this. Fuck him. Because, like, he is equally, if not more, guilty of writing utter shit. Like, utter shit. Yeah, but he's trying to get the theory of 
Paul McCartney being dead out there without being too obvious. It takes skill. I guess. Any more info about Abbey Road? Is that not enough? Well, to be honest with you, with this Abbey Road, I, I need to mention it, that front cover. Let's talk about that front cover a little bit more. So we've got the Red Hot Chili Peppers one, right? With the socks on, on the, the willies. Yep. Now, probably socks on cocks goes better, doesn't it, than willies. Um, you had that, I remember. Yeah, still have. What's your mum think of that? Because you were a young lad when you had that. I think I had a poster of it. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, your your parents, the audience doesn't know this, but your audience, are very, uh, your audience, your parents, very tolerant of what you would be bringing home and listening to. No, I bought you home. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, mate. Uh, but I always thought, like, yeah, so it must have been from that poster. And whenever your mum was in your room, we were in your room, like, that, that it's just naked men with their dicks out. And that, <laughs> that's fine. Your mum just thinks, oh, Daniel's normal. Daniel's a normal guy. <laughs> so your dad wouldn't have liked you putting a poster up of four dudes walking across the road with their dicks out? My dad would continually like berate me for being a homosexual just because I invited other blokes into my room to listen to music together. Um, at a time when I definitely wasn't a homosexual. So what, what a mean man he was. But that's my parents. Yours were all right. Yeah, um, my dad was a rocker, wasn't he? Yeah, that's it. Well, I'm well I don't jealous. think he had pictures of like Eric Clapton with his dick out. <laughs> that would have been good. Don't know if your mum would have appreciated that as well. <laughs> but I always remember like sitting in your room, and like, it was either like you had the CD out or you had a poster on the wall, something I can't remember now. I wish I could, uh, and just thinking your mum's clearly keeps eyeing this up, and it's all fine. She's like, oh, love him. He can have whatever he wants. I've always wondered how far you could go. But, uh, anyway. Paul's staying over tonight in my bed. <laughs> She'd be like, all right, Daniel. But do you remember when you lived above the chip shop? Yes. We used to sleep in the same bed all the time, just like it was normal, like Bert and Ernie or something. Yeah, you're right. Oh, they were good times. I remember watching, uh, the, was it The Fog or The Sludge or The Slime or The Goo or The Ooze? Yeah, it's some horror movie, yeah. And, I, and it was like at least like the... 20th time I'd stayed over your house like curled up in bed you're asleep and I was thinking is this a bit weird <laughs> nah I can't be and one time me you and uh, my daughter's mum all slept in the same bed together but there was nothing weird going on it was just it was cold and that was the only bed yeah, it was weird a lot of people had slept in that bed that I had nothing to do with and I was in the bed at the same time terrible that is not how you should run a family <laughs> Uh, next album Let It Be released 8th of May 1970 the 12th and final studio album by the Hippie Freaks wow you wrote that yourself I like it uh, released a month after the band had broken up weird right um, yeah now we were just saying this was actually recorded before Abbey Road but Correct. then shelved what was the reason for that so uh, and it's coming out in a documentary in the next year. Uh, so sometime in 2020, you will receive a Beatles documentary all about Let It Be. I think it's going to be called Get Back. Uh, and that was originally what this... The, whole, that was the title of yeah, the album. Yeah, it was the yeah. title of the album. And it was going to be the title of the film that you would have to go to the cinema to see um, about the recording of how a band gets together and records an album. 
Yeah, because it was recorded, the rehearsals began at Twickenham Film Studios in 1969, and that, that was it. It was supposed to be part of the a, a sort of documentary about bringing how the Beatles got back and then went back to playing live. Yeah. That's what Paul McCartney was really pushing for, even though George Harrison was like, fuck this shit, I don't want to play live. You see him snipe at uh, Paul at one point because Paul's asking him to do something and all of a sudden it just clicks and George has had enough and he goes, I'll just play what you want me to play. Like Effectively, what he's just saying is you've taken all, all my creativity and it's now just your band, but you know what? I'm happy to facilitate you, Paul. I'll just do what you want fuck you and he doesn't say any of those words but that's what comes through and you can just see all this sniping at each other and it's hard to watch so I can't wait to see this documentary if you want to go to the cinema with me Dan we could do a different times podcast like review like we did with the Metallica movie fair enough yes well George Harrison did actually leave the group over it all right okay there we go uh and to get him back they had to agree to go back to their own Apple studio rather than doing all this filming bollocks. There was also rumours that he had a fist fight with John Lemon, but he's then come back and said, no, we didn't punch each other. It was just uh, just an argument. There was no punch-up. We just fell out were his exact words. Uh, and then after lunch, he said, I'm leaving the band. See you guys around the clubs. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you know what? Like, this was... When did you say? What year? 69. 69, so this was happening. So they've been in a band, like, I don't know, for quite some time at that point, but been recording artists since 62, I think it was. So still a tiny amount of time to hate each other that much and also love each other that much. It's really weird. So is this also the time um, they did the gig on the roof of the building? And that was the only live performance they did. Uh, Is that the one that's, like, famous? Or was that something else? That's famous, yeah. You can watch all that on the the documentary, that anthology, uh, the whole rooftop gig. Yeah. But that's there was only one rooftop gig. It wasn't only like they one. did one. This was it. Oh right. Three uh, of the songs on the album were actually recorded and ripped straight from that performance. Fucking my bum. Fuck your bum. That's right. Produced by Phil Spector. Hate that guy. He did not impress Paul McCartney either, Waller. Uh, particularly on the song The Long and Winding Road, Paul wanted it to be a simple piano ballad. Yeah. Which you would. Uh, but this cunt fucking orchestrated it. He did choral stuff on it uh, to the point where Paul McCartney tried to first get the song, just cut off the album, uh, and then, okay, we'll just change it back to what I want. But it was like, no, I'm producing it. This fucking shit's going the way I want it. Many years later, there was a, a Let It Be Naked album come out, which had stripped Phil's production. And from the original tapes, it was a much drier album, a much um, warmer album, not as like bombastic and lush uh, as Phil Spector made it. And I much prefer listening to it that way. I really am not a fan of Let It Be. Not at all. Like, have a listen to the difference between these versions. I my random pick was across the universe. Thankfully, I didn't get one of the shit songs, uh, of which there's many, and I'll talk about them in a minute. So I got across the universe. Have a listen to this original uh, Phil Spector version. In the 
Bridges of broken light Which dance before me Like a million eyes They call me on and on Across the universe Thought me and like a restless wind Inside a And now have a listen to the Let It Be Naked version. Nothing's gonna change my world 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 Images of before me like a million eyes they call me on and on across the universe thought me under like a restless wind inside a letterbox they tumble blindly as they make their way across the is interesting man it's so it's night and day for me and it's what makes the difference between a song great and a song good uh so yeah um i did mention shit songs so before we go on with the facts i just want to say that for me this album fails because there's too much shit i don't mind a couple of fillers well if you take what john lennon said a about the production because he stood up for phil Spector. Yeah. Uh, and he was saying the songs are shit. I think his actual quote was, uh, regarding Phil Spector, he was given the shittiest load of badly recorded shit with a lousy feeling to it ever and made something out of it. Which is fair point. Dig a pony, shit. Maggie May, shit. And I, is he saying that just because he wants to be opposing Paul McCartney? Is it just another little bit of ego battle? And it could be John Lennon won it. It could could be uh, George Martin himself said because he worked on it too, actually doing like the proper recording production of it. Yeah. Um, his quote was because um, he was taken off the production. He was told he's not allowed; his name won't be on the album as producer. And he said it should say "produced by George Martin, overproduced by Phil Spector." Too freaking right. That's how I feel. That's all I've got to say. That's it. You are done with the Beatles now. Uh, I think the worst, two worst offenders uh, is a song called Dig It. It's just terrible. One After 909, at best, is just okay, which is not good enough for Beatles at any point. This album's nothing special. They've ended their career on a low. It took took a long time uh, for me to hear these albums. And when I had, I was like, oh, mate, that sort of ruined everything that I really loved about so why did stuff it before. come out? Was it just a money grab after they'd split up to get to ring that last bit of change that they thought, probably thought they could? Fans were devastated. Like, fans, they had these tapes. And as you say, Phil Spector, inverted commas, saved it from being a complete mess. So, of course, a record company... Uh, and the Beatles as well they want to put this out as like because they don't give a flying fuck right now about the Beatles all they care about is their solo careers 
all of them except Ringo who's probably devastated and like what do I do now sort of thing even though like Ringo I think he was the first person to release a single after the band split how'd it go um well exactly I have no idea yeah, so they don't care about the Beatles. It's not like, um, oh, we don't want to ruin our legacy. They didn't give a fuck about their legacy at this point. I don't know, Dan. I really don't know why you would put it out after they've split up and it not being the quality that others were. Because people actually say Abbey Road is their favourite album of all time. No one says Let It Be is their favourite album of all time. Nobody. And they decided not to put it out for a reason. Why go back on that? Or did they not have a choice? Did... EMI, Apple, just say, oh, it's recorded, we're putting it out, whether you fucking like it or not. I wish I knew. I don't know. I probably do know somewhere in the, the eons of my mind, but I don't know now. Um, but they they vetoed that movie. That movie, um, I think it came out as a limited cinema release, and that was it. It was taken off and never released again um, until now. I think the producer is the same guy that does The Lord of the Rings, so, what's his freaking name? He did Lord of the Rings, he and The Hobbit. And Brain Dead. Brain Dead. That guy, I think he's doing the Beatles documentary. Wow. So, yeah, I think if it's not, I'm going to look like a right twasic. What's his name? He also did Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah, so I think he did he's King Kong. Name. Thanks, mate. Uh, okay, Let It Be Shit. That's the, that's the overall thing. But... The audience doesn't care about Let It Be. No one cares about Let It Be. They want to know whether this experience over the last four weeks of you having to listen to the Beatles after you, yourself, Daniel's, Daniel Sargent? No. Danny Different. Danny, Danny Different. You're Danny Different. Whether you, because you chose it out of the hat, Dan, do you like the Beatles now? Do you appreciate them? I love the story of the Beatles now. So you would actually still watch that documentary and get some joy out of it. Yeah, I really, really want to. And I don't think I would sit there and put anything on other than Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, so that if you're going to an album, that's your go-to. Yeah. What about you? What's your going to be your... I'd say the White Album, just because there's even though there's so much shit on it, there's so much great stuff on it. And it's the only album that I can listen to and still discover bits, whereas all the other albums I just know back to front. And I'm not particularly, you know, I could never listen to it Saying again, that, thinking back to weeks and weeks ago when I was hearing, like, the first albums and I didn't even realise they were the Beatles songs, I could still, like, go back and listen to that again. i tell you what we'll do. We haven't done this for ages. Daniel, I'm going to ask you to put forward a top ten song, just ten songs of the Beatles that you really enjoy, and we're going to do a Spotify list. Oh, I thought you were going to make me name them now as if no. I can remember all the names. No, not at all. So there we go. That's your job. We're going to put out a Spotify list with this podcast. I honestly think all you need to do is look at Best of the Beatles. There is no such album, Alan Partridge. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening to us at Different Times Podcast. You can find us on, well, what you know because you listened to us because you got this far. Uh, you can also grab me at Different Times Podcast on Instagram. You can go to Daniel's. What do you do? Do you do any social media these days? Facebook. Well, that's just Daniel Sargent, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, go to Daniel Sargent and tell him what kind he is. Anything else, Dan? Any final words? I'm Danny Different. Different.